what you're doing tonight I wish you could see the gown is called Are you also alone? I'm stealing your dreams Why can't I bring you all to my side? So tell me take to make you see that I am right if I was invisible I could just make you see the light if I was invincible I'd change your mind tonight your heart's so unshakable I can just tell you where I stand Show you I'm the smarter man If I was convincible Wait, I already am The year We don't do that here We don't do oh. that Come on, get out of here Welcome to Convincible <laughs> There you go Hello and welcome to Convincible number two. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. Convincible is the podcast and reading club. We're going through the entire history of Invincible, comic book series by Robert Kirkman, Corey Walker, Ryan Otley, and collaborators. I, historically, am a fan of Invincible. I am going up against the biggest known ding, hater. Ding, ding. Of the comic we've ever heard. He's at the other end of the ring. It's Zachary Dean. Um, I come out. I flip over a table. I give all my fans high fives. Because that's what all the, the coolest guys do. And then I win. If a wrestler I just had your level of energy. <laughs> I am. Zach? It is 7 a.m. I'm kind of yeah. hungover. I woke up. <laughs> 12 minutes ago so yeah, yeah which is good because if i was at my full power you would be suffering today it is it is constantly to my advantage that i am <laughs> i i am lex luther and you are constant i have a little kryptonite in you at all times <laughs> <laughs> because otherwise i'd be in trouble in the middle of the ring refereeing all of these productions and telling us we're both wrong it's charlotte fierro how's it going charlotte Red card, red card, you all get a red card. Everyone's out of line. Uh, <laughs> I think just like a wrestling referee, uh, also Charlotte does have a winner in mind. And yes, we'll be making absolutely. sure that that this person wins. So they're pretty and I won't say who it is, but let's just say I think Zach is very vincible today. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, I, already, okay. I already heard this from Charlotte yesterday. Her, Good, her keep telling him that because it's true. So the stakes here are if I win... Mm-hmm. And mostly convince Zach that Invincible is a is a good, nay great comic book series. Zach, ha- what did we establish last time? Does anyone remember, or am I making it up here for the first $10, time? Ten thousand dollars. It's a ten thousand dollars. <laughs> Zach has to give Pony of ten k. And it I is. I do have to is just admit, proved wrong uh, has to leave the show. And if you're both wrong, I'm the only co-host. That's left. right. That That's what it was. It's a yeah. loser leaves town deal. Yeah. So if Zach's wrong. He has to leave the show, the show being convincible, which will end at the end of eight episodes regardless, let's be clear. <laughs> um, if I'm wrong and Invincible is actually very bad, I have to leave the show and uh, Charlotte will decide. And if we're both wrong, 
Charlotte has a, a lot of work cut out for her. Let me give you <laughs> let me give you a little look inside where I'm at with this. Uh-huh. Uh, you said eight. I thought we had six total. Uh, not eight. Did we did we no, reduce no. it? I don't no, remember. It's, no, it's eight. You're right. I just, <laughs> okay. I just checked. But when you said eight, my heart sunk. <laughs> so that's where I'm at right now. Is that yeah. I just realized there's two more episodes than I thought there was, and I went right. Oh no. Yeah. Well, but the good news, mm. or what would be good news, mm. is as we go, we're going to change the flavor a little bit. Now we do have to cap. So today's episode is Invincible number or Convincible number two. On in, on Convincible number one, we covered Invincible issues number one through number nineteen. And if you want to see the issues we read along with, we'll include them in the show notes. You can find them there. Uh, if you back us at patreon.com slash year, uh, you're a member of the Slack. Uh, if you want the whole full spreadsheet, that's probably something we can make available. It's Zach, you've probably yeah. already done this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's um, automatic. Yeah. Yep. So uh, today we're going to talk about Invincible number zero, but then really Invincible number 20 through 35. So we're talking about uh, you know a decent chunk here into the 30s of the series. Now, the homework, as many of you may remember – Coming into Convincible number two, the homework was all of us were going to have watched the Invincible animated series. Zach refused to do yeah, his homework. Yeah. He declined. He gets, at best, this episode, at best, he can get a, uh, I guess, C for complete or P- a PC for partially complete. It's but refused the, to do the assignment. We just read it. Why do I have to watch it again? I'll, you know what really sunk my interest in watching this is finding out the show's 45-minute long episodes. Like, that's that's just crazy. crazy. I don't love that for it. Um, but let me let me just say that, mm. Zach, no matter what you do today, um, mm. you, you failed out of the gates. That's fine. <laughs> because I will, because I'll give it a shot. I have, not, I have not given it a chance yet, but... It's gonna. I we're will. gonna do that. We are going but, to do that. Am um, I the only one who's seen the first season? The you have show? seen more of it than anyone. I I have now seen a few episodes of the first season. Yeah, I've seen the full f- first season twice now because like I watched it when it came out and now I rewatched it for the show. Yeah. Um. Oh and let me just say, way better than the comic. Well, like, maybe not way better, but like strongly better. Okay, but say. that's that's important. Like we're gonna, Okay, so here's okay, here's what I'm thinking. Okay. Here's what I'm thinking. Convincible number 3. He's got so much energy. Convincible You're so tired. <laughs> you're such a tired little boy. Convincible number 3 is our animated series watch episode. No, because that means we're we nine, nine episodes. episodes? Adding we an episode. We can't do No, nine we're episodes. not adding an episode. We're not adding an episode. We're not adding okay. an episode. I don't want this to be a boring read along. Read alongs yeah. are so yeah. boring. Um, and I, <laughs> I the entirety don't. of my marvelous. <laughs> <laughs> We're coming up on six years. Did you realize that? We're coming up on what? Six years of my marvelous year next no. month. No. Yeah, isn't that nuts? No. Yeah. Six years. That's not oh, right. We started no. in 2019. Yeah. Five ye- four years. Can you believe that? <laughs> <laughs> what is time? <laughs> whatever, whatever number Zach has to think of, he always gets it wrong by two. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Six episodes instead of eight. All right, this is this is going to be an incredibly easy episode to dominate. So, Convincible number three is going to be our animated series watch. We're going to do the first season, and then I'll see how much of the. I think for the first four episodes of the second season will have been released. By that point, um, and I'll I'll watch to make sure that it's not. Wait, what like about the spoilery. comics though? That's the that's the main point. You're not getting. We'll to. we'll figure that out. The comics aren't. I'm not that worried about the comics. What, what um, do you mean? <laughs> okay, uh, now let. <laughs> no one will let... just skip that batch. Like you have to read this, all these, right? It feels like this intro 
has been custom made to enrage Zach. <laughs> I don't even really. I'm not even that excited to read it, but we can't just skip 18 issues. Well, if you want to read more, you can read more. That's, oh, I mean, that's God. always an option. No, We're not going to skip them. Don't worry. Well, okay. I'll figure it out. I'll help everyone. Um, <laughs> we'll just do a three-hour episode. It's fine. <laughs> now, okay. I do have. Uh, I do have one. Zach, I'm going to give you a little ammo right up front. Okay. Okay. I'm going to give you a little ammunition. I'm going to help you do out because you you need it. I need, um, I need a handicap. Yeah. Last episode, we talked about how I have Invincible ranked number 25 mm. on the best comics of all time list. It's very high. Mm. You look at what's around it. Mm-hmm. I mean, here, here's the thing. Like, I, I just want to clarify for some folks who may not know this. I have the best, best comics of all time list in the world. Um, no one has published a better best comics of all time section, list. Let me go to the comments section, see if... Uh... All the okay, there. all the Europeans. Yeah, disagree. I was gonna say, <laughs> except for Europeans, <laughs> yeah. because I have a very American bias. Um, but I have the best best comics of all time. So it's it's robust. There's a ton of great work in there, and very little of it can be argued with. Um, number twenty five is too high. <laughs> it's insanely <laughs> too high. Okay, uh, I I need to I need to clarify that I am pulling that back, not right out of defeat. I'm not uh-huh. I'm not losing. I'm not mad. Please don't tell the newspapers that I got mad. I'm just moving it back because it will be intellectually dishonest for me to sit here and say, I'm defending this at the number 25 best comics of all time level. I cannot do that. Charlotte, Charlotte, sorry. Love and Rockets is 43. That's exactly exactly where I was going to move it. I'm going to move it exactly in that 44, 45 range. Quick oh, reminder, Dave, where's Huxbox at, to be honest? Okay, so a few people have asked me this recently. and <laughs> I know. I watch, a, I watch a live stream. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, it's – so I, when I ranked House of X uh, Powers of Ten, I ranked it in the, like, 130 range, which, again, I'm just let, me, let me clarify. Anything from 100 to 200, flipping excellent. Those are great mm-hmm. comics, okay? Yeah, yeah. Um, I ranked it there, but I ranked it there kind of thinking, well, this is not done yet. Sure. Yeah. Right? I was thinking, well, I will rank the full Hickman X-Men experience when it is complete, and I will probably move this way up at that time. That future did not come to pass. Dave Stinney's vision <laughs> of a Hickman's X-Men <laughs> uh, that, that was, you know, a top 50 book did not happen. So now I am faced with the challenge of re-ranking Hoxpox on its own terms, and it's going to do well. I yeah, mean, like yeah, this, yeah. I, I get that. I, you know, we were talking the other week on the live stream and uh, somebody pointed out to me that I think the Battle of the Atom folks, uh, Zach and, and Adam, who did a really nice job on that podcast. Thank they you. actually did rank it. Their, yeah, <laughs> yeah, well done. Um, they did rank it their best X-Men comic of all time. And those are like, those are X-Men diehards, right? Those are, <clears throat> those are folks with a real respect for the history of X-Men and everything. They put Hoxpox number one. And I heard that, and I was kind of like, no way. But then I thought about it, and it's like, I think that's right. I actually think that's right. I don't think I've – I've never had a better experience reading an X-Men comic. I've just read it for the third time, and it's, like, it's better every time. It's really good. Anyway, this is not a Hawksbox podcast. No, no, but part of why I'm asking this is I feel like Invincible being ranked really, really high on the list of best superhero comics isn't shocking at all to me. Yeah, yeah, right. But even then, like, there's plenty of superhero stuff like Hawksbox and, like, 
others that I would put way above. That, that, that's why I'm reacting this way and like asking about Huxbox specifically, and also because you, you talked about it recently. But like, to me, yeah, 25 <laughs> is way too high. But even like in the 50s, Huxbox feels like more of like a top 50 comic to me. Yeah, yeah. Than Invincible, and I'm gonna I'm gonna like use an argument from Zach actually uh, against you. Um, yes. No, no, I'm going to use it against you, Zach. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's something you said in a recent variant cover, I think, about the MCU, where you said, like, when you rank MCU movies on, uh-huh. like, Letterboxd, you yeah. don't rank them in the same way you would you rank yeah. them other yeah. movies. Like, yeah. a four-star MCU movie isn't a four-star movie yeah, for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to me, Invincible is the same way. Like, there's, like my comics rankings and like way of analyzing stuff and there's my invincible list <laughs> yeah but yeah. like just for invincible i'm like yeah this is a good <laughs> okay well like, that makes I'm... less sense because <laughs> like yeah, I, that's just saying I, you like invincible like I, i'm kind of being like the mcu as a whole you know like i'm a fan of the mcu and i kind of enjoy the tone that they put you know like i'm ranking all these movies against each other you're just ranking invincible against itself like it you know stack it up against I other guess so. superhero comics like, but I'm th- what I'm what I'm saying is like I'm not when I like I enjoy Invincible, but I don't think it's one of the best. I don't think it's doing anything special with superheroes, and I yeah. don't think it's like the best superhero comics I've ever read. Go far on, from it. Go so on, let's correct. let's start there. Let's no, start no, there. no. I have, I have a whole I have a whole thing here too because you both opened the door for something I wanted to say. Anyway, one, uh, if you want an intellectually honest ranking. Uh, of comics you can go check out my ranking of all the marvel comics that we've done for my marvelous year on the spreadsheet that we have and i have this place this world needs more intellectual honesty it's and true. i think zach is here podcast to needs to more us. intellectual honesty <laughs> i have this in- invincible ranked i think 51 51 on the on the list of marvel comics on the list like if i had to slap <laughs> this in the middle of all the stuff we've read for my marvelous year i would put it yeah, 51, yeah, yeah. which is in the midst of a bunch of stuff that's pretty good so right above that wade's fantastic four avengers disassembled burns sensational she hulk uh right below that is the uh the lee kirby captain america wade's captain america spider girl kevin smith daredevil all comics uh-huh, i like uh-huh. all comics yeah. i'm positive on that's where this lands where it's like I was saying this you're like it is a yesterday. fine superhero comic in the like in the context of it's the grand tradition it's, yeah. of superhero comics and, um, and but it is not it does not supersede you know just the standard Marvel fair is what you're saying yeah well we can talk like details about this but like I I was saying this yesterday in the Slack I think like I'm coming down really hard on it but the I think it's not <laughs> the amount of scrutiny I'm applying to this comic I don't think the comic warrants it necessarily because it's not even worthy of your score (laughs) no it's not that (laughs) no i mean because like i think the comic at the at what the comic is trying to do i think it does a good job at i think like it sets out on on its mission and it does a good not great but a good job like on you know the level at which it's working it's just impossible to not talk about it in the context of the top five comics of all time ranking that it regularly gets so it's really hard like in and i compared it to captain marvel in the mcu a movie i like just fine i don't have big criticisms of that movie i think it's a good movie enjoy that movie but if people were like this is one of the top 10 movies of all time then that was like the prevailing opinion 
top And I'd be like, well, it's not as good as Singing in the Rain, but it is better than the middle It would be impossible to just say, like, yeah, I like Captain Marvel. Pretty good movie. In that context, because you'd be like, what are you talking about? And then I would, you know, tear it to shreds. (laughs) Because, like, you'd feel insane. And I do feel kind of insane reading the comic. Yeah. Thinking that, like, everyone's like, this is... And, you know, not everyone. Because the slack is largely, like... Living somewhere all right, where all right. I, uh, I, your your slack anecdotes. I'm just here. Yeah, let me. I'm gonna supporting you. Yeah, that's a lot of are slack. uninteresting. <laughs> okay, so no, I think the I think these are both good points. Are um, no, the slackers I'm sure make great points. Yeah. It is uninteresting every time you come. Well, the ones that with your with alleged are, like, army of supporters, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's a few friends. Um, Invincible is definitely. The hardest thing about defending it. Oh, I thought for sure you were about to say overrated, and I was like, my body was. Tense, I actually don't. Ready to I actually leap. don't think. No, I don't think that. So it, we talked about this the first time, like the the kind of so just like the initial why is it even on this list component of this is I am very accepting and I'm open hearted and I'm a big man and I am with. <laughs> Unrelated. I'm willing to. Uh, I'm will, very willing to include things that I think are appealing to new fans that are superhero focused, and that is a that is a genre that I have enjoyed tremendously over my experiences of getting into comics. Whereas I think you know the the critical minded navigations of the art form do not lend themselves to inclusion of lots and lots of superhero comics on a list like that, right? You know, Ultimate Spider-Man would not be inside the top 100. Invincible would not be inside the top 100. When you're talking about a list that is otherwise celebrating, you know, Berlin by Jason Lutz. Like, they, they are these comics are not doing the same things. I am mashing them into the same list with semi-different aims. And that is something that I do knowingly. Well, that, I that said is this why last... I, sorry, that, that is why I, I'm stacking it up against not all comics of all time. When I'm trying to like, you know, think where I rank. Even if you, so even if you just narrow it down just to like soups, yeah, right. You narrow it down just super mm-hmm. comics, which I think is soups. is the that is the battlefield it is entering, right? Like mm-hmm. this, Invincible yeah. is yeah. Robert Kirkman and now Ryan Otley saying we can do superheroes better than everyone else. Like and that is the like, mission statement, not in a Watchmen way, right? Like certainly not, you know, trying to do like an Alan Moore superhero comic. They're trying to do a Marvel superhero comic just without the constraints of Marvel. Right. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, it is where, where Watchmen is often heralded for deconstruction, which is, you know, its own can of worms, but it, it is there. Um, Invincible is is just, uh, it's, it's a giant love letter. I mean, it's just it's just celebrating and doubling down on everything that ever made comics fun, essentially, right? And it is trying to cram them all into one giant book right in a in a fully new superhero universe. So the the challenge for this book is do you actually do superhero comics better than than the way superhero comics either have been done traditionally or were being done at the time in the 2000s. Right? I think that is that is a fair bar for this mm-hmm. to need to pass. And I think what Invincible did in the 2000s was it cleared that hurdle very effectively for lots of new and often younger readers. I think Invincible is very good at giving the sense of the superhero medium being uh, freer and less constrained and less tied to 
cycles of repetition. The advantage that Invincible has coming out in the 2000s versus someone trying this type of book in like, you know, 1978 is by that point, we have seen four decades of Marvel Comics recycling, right? We have seen four decades of, or we have seen more than that. We've seen six decades of action comics and detective comics recycling, right? Where toys have to go back in the box. Things have to be redone. Stories are retold in different ways and repackaged. And there's a lot of great stuff, obviously, in between there. Uh, but the one huge advantage, huge advantage that Invincible has coming with that knowledge is the fact that it can say, here's a universe. We will tell this story once. We will move forward. The things that happen will always have happened and will not be undone. Um, and that is, that makes it an incredible entry point. Uh, I think, you know, we, we made this comparison in the first first episode, but I, I think it is very similar to why manga had a huge rise in appeal um, throughout this era. Now, you'll note that nothing I'm talking about is quality of the comics or specifics, right? Like we can get into that. Uh, but I think just premise alone, a standalone superhero universe without the limitations, you know, with the, with the what do you call it? Like the, the weights on the ankles removed. Sure, yeah. So it can take off. That is huge. And I, it is kind of impossible to full, for any of us to, I think, to fully recapture what it was to be 18 and find this book in 2008. Uh, you sure. Know? I mean, that, that's, well, it's 2003, actually, Dave. So, well, yeah. I'm talking about once it's had a role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I think that's fair. Like, <clears throat> well, it's, it, I don't know if it's fair. It's, on, <laughs> it's true. It's, you know, technically true. I just think that that is not, like, as a teenager, this hit hard, you know, is not like a, like, that's a story I'm interested in hearing from people being like, you know, I was a teenager and this was, you know, big to me. But it is it's not, not just, it's not it's just not that. I'm not literally, like, I'm not using teenager to reduce um, the validity of it, which I think yeah. it can often be used as a criticism. I'm using, I just think that is, that is the target audience. Uh, it is not, yeah, yeah. it is not striving. And and I, as, as a 20 year old, and even now as a 30 year old, can very much enjoy books written for teens. You know what I mean? Like some of my oh, favorite sure. books of the yeah. year are written for younger audiences. So the, yeah. the fact that it is written for a younger audience to me is not. No, no, that's knock. not what I mean. I, <clears throat> I was saying like, you know, if it, viewing this in the meta context of its importance to its target audience, like how it hit to the target audience at the time, you know, does not alter like the strength of it today for me. Right. Like we, I, I've gotten these emails before about my Roma Sierra, which like, how did you, <laughs> how could you call this comic middling? Don't you know how important it was to me when I was 16 years old in 1982? Like, right. you know, you can't imagine how hard, you know, mutant massacre, you know, what that felt like when you were 14 living it at the time. It's like, okay, but you know, like I'm in my thirties reading it in the 2020s. So like, that's, that's the only thing I can judge it on. But no, I like, I can definitely like, that's an appealing part of the comic for sure it's just like i don't value that that much because that's everything but superhero comics right like superhero comics are some of the only 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 mediums that i regularly engage in where you do have to live in that space of like okay well this can't like truly progress you know in most ways so like so that it, you know i guess i do still stack it up against other superhero comics but it does have that advantage that is appealing i also <sighs> Hmm. I don't know. We can talk about that, whether or not, like, the comic does a lot with that. 
in ways that like like I keep comparing it to Bendis' Spider-Man. I think that's like a really natural comparison at the time. Or Bendis' mm-hmm. Ultimate Spider-Man. It's coming out around the same time and it also is like similarly long running. So it's like I think it's quite point, a bit better than that. I, I don't know if I said this last time, but like I think it's a, actually quite a bit better than Ultimate Spider-Man, which is a book that had a similar degree of like like a tremendously accessible superhero entry point that I valued a lot getting into comics. Yeah. I um I, I I don't, but maybe it's because I'm over over remembering some of the parts that like it's been a while since I've read it. But like Bendis does something really well that this comic I think really fails at, which is the emotional pressure uh that the characters go through and making that feel felt. Um it's something that I like keep kind of getting exasperated with this comic and in this this arc did it better than the first i talked about it in the first a bunch but like that mark is under these enormous pressures that's something bendis does so well he does it both in ultimate spider-man he does it in alias he does it in daredevil like puts his characters under this emotional turmoil and then you feel like them boiling under the surface and then it occasionally explodes out mm. i haven't felt that like mark kills a guy here and then it feels very small like the reaction to it his reaction to it feels very like very minor and very brushed aside and you know maybe we'll get back to it but like that is that is so weird you had the same the same reaction the first episode and i think i had the exact opposite reaction he's like and i I would say the comic very much focuses on that uh charlotte what do you what do you think about the take here that the emotional pressures on mark grayson you know are are they underbaked, like Zach is saying, or are they yeah. focused on? I don't. I don't know that Kirkman's as good at it as Bendis. I think I'd probably agree with that, but I. I don't yeah, think there's really a lack of trying. I definitely think it feels more real in in Bendis in Spider Man, uh, which is like the closest one. Um, he, like, he takes a moment to like show it, but it doesn't feel. Not much feels like it has repercussions on the way Mark behaves or thinks or like even the even Omni Man going, going away like feels walked but it's walked back a, a bit too quickly here. Um like I do think there are a lot of, of big things happening in Mark's life that don't get the weight and the feeling of realness that they would deserve, I don't think... I think they're there, but, like, I, I'm intellectually reading that it's happening, but I'm not feeling it in the same way that, like, Bendis can make it feel with with Spider-Man. Um, and I think part of that is honestly a bit the art. Like, I can think of, like, a, a vivid... Not really vivid, but, like, I can, f- like, picture in my mind right now what Bagley drawing like spider-man under pressure or like scared or like sad looks like yeah i can picture that a bit less with utley it feels like his art his face his faces are less malleable um in that way unless they're getting punched that's part of it yeah but like (laughs) i'm just thinking like regular human emotions like strong emotions i feel like that's a bit less present um invincible i i do feel that with characters being a bit more Stilted is strong, but like just he does. There were more one... stilts in this book, Charlotte. <laughs> this, oh my gosh! Forget moving it back. I do feel moving it, it way in the, up. the writing too that he has. Like Kirkman has kind of one energy level 
that the characters generally will like work at and it very rarely like deviates from that and and they have a very similar voice throughout and it's like yeah like the characters don't surprise me almost ever with what they say or how they react to things it's it's all very it, it is it honestly this is something i honed in this time it's one of the like the bigger issues for me and i actually have this issue with bendis too but like every character kind of sounds like the same character they all have the same level of like slightly smug snarkiness uh when they're like irritated with each other and you know like slight sarcasm and it, it is just the tone but it's like every character from the like the ant aliens to the Viltruviums, Viltruviums, Viltrumites. Never, never gonna get this right. Viltrumites. Reading, reading comprehension these days, I tell you. <laughs> I'm gonna write it down. Viltrumites to like Mark's roommate, like all kind of bandy with each other in a, a similar like sarcastic way, um, and I think that like that does kind of mean that like some of the emotional stuff doesn't hit as hard because I feel like there's less distinguishing features between the characters. So the part of this that I agree with, I think, would be Charlotte's point here about oh, big just illustratively. Surprise, big <laughs> <surprise>. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't think Otley sells human emotion uh, at this stage, right? I think the moments that Otley stands out are the big superhero battle stuff, right, and the the uber violence of the physicality of Mark, you know, beating someone's brains out. I think those are the moments where you say. This is what Ryan Otley was put on Earth to do. Um, I don't think it was. I don't think it's. Yeah, like you said, like when you say, I can picture Mark Bagley's Peter Parker scared. That image instantly pops into my head. And with Mark Grayson, it's a. There's a real flatness to everyone um, that does. I think really, really mitigate the emotions. I think all of what you're saying, I can see where you're coming from. Um, I think one of the problems that this book has with like establishing very human emotion or or you know real difference of voice as you're saying there Zach is it's kind of like the fifth thing it's interested in doing if that you know like the like the number one thing invincible is interested in doing is moving fast as hell through a million superhero ideas right like like it is the thing it is interested in doing <clears throat> is spinning 16 plates in the air of plot, you know, just just all these balls in the air all the time. Agreed. Uh, and good. And yeah, and like that is that is the thing it does, I think, very well um, is for the it, most parts. Yeah. Well, I just think it's it's very it's easy not to get bored because it's moving through yeah. a lot of plot. And then it also because it's cycling all these elements and we kind of talk, you know, before we started, we just happened to be talking about, you know, the value of creators who plan things way out in advance. And, and I don't really know where Kirkman falls on that spectrum. But one thing he does incredibly well throughout Invincible, and we talked about this a little in the first episode, is the just like the sudden escalation of, oh, this is happening. Of, oh, like now we're in this moment. And for me, you know, in, these, in this package, that's issue number 33. Like we're kind of just like, we're bouncing our way through interweaving plot lines. We've got Omni-Man's back, hunted by the Vulture Knights. That's a big deal. We can talk about Mark's new baby brother, Oliver. Uh, we got Eve versus Amber stuff. We've got, you know, the Mueller twins and Angstrom in the background, but we haven't seen them for a minute. Robot's got a secret. He's finding a new body. We got a Martian on Earth. We got the Immortal and Duplicate, whose entire role through 40 issues is to have um, uh, 
sex with people she's not dating. With Abe, uh, Abe Lincoln. Has any, has, has any character ever been better established than Duplicate through 40 issues? I, do we even see her? I feel like we just, it's off screen. People are seeing her have sex with other Well, we don't, we don't see the, the gangbang. <laughs> they don't actually yeah, draw no, that. No, but like, I can't even remember... Like seeing besides her little origin thing, I'm like, did we actually see? Yeah, her we don't really the... see her that much. We see Immortal Man talking about her, and we see Rexplode talking about her, but we don't actually see her. Okay, She's barely a character. A great twist that I'm just gonna spoil doesn't happen would be a duplicate was not a real person, and uh, and all of these guys <laughs> were imagining <laughs> these affairs. Uh, and then we have plots with Ellen, the alien. It's probably some I'm missing. Okay, there's a million things going on, and then all of a sudden we're bouncing through all that. You get to issue number 33, Angstrom Levy's in Mark's house. He's violently and and maliciously harming his mother, and now it's a fight for your life against an archvillain we didn't even know was an archvillain, right? And there's a, there's a sense that at any moment, this comic can just flip the table over, you know, um, and do these big things. And again, it's like, it's all plot. You know, I'm not... Yeah. I'm not drawn to Angstrom Levy and his plight. I don't really feel for him, even though we've seen various sequences with him. Um, the stuff with the mom is gross uh, in a very kind of traditional superhero grossness way, honestly. Yeah. Um, and I'm not even using that to, like, defend it. It's just, you know, like, it's it's play in the book. And, uh, and then Mark's channel, like, you feel what you do feel is Mark is trapped in an impossible situation. And it feels like things have gone incredibly wrong incredibly quickly. And I think that's something Invincible does well. I don't actually feel that that much. Like, I know it's happening, but it really feels that way. Like, the art doesn't portray that much. And the urgency of the situation, I don't think, is ever sold that well. They literally have... I I, I actually, I kind of like this beat like i like this issue uh and i like the peril because it does feel like once in a while i think kirkman can press the peril button and i think it works okay like this mm-hmm. and the viltramite attack on the uh the ant planet are both yeah. like highlights for me but at the same time like what you're saying about the plot popping up um charlotte i'm sorry i like i think i, I cut you off to agree with you and then i just started down my own path no no worries. <laughs> The like what you're saying about the urgency, like it has some of that with like okay, there's some real violence happening against his mother, right? So there's a threat. Like I feel that for sure. But then at the same time, like the Angstrom keeps popping Mark into other realms, um, and I don't feel the like frantic frustration from him. I don't feel the like Mark's not a frantic, frustrated character. I know, but it's like he's incredibly he should, calm. Like he should be here. Uh, and then like I, I mean, at one point. You know, he I think he gets zapped into the Walking Dead universe, and he's sitting around a bonfire, and it's clear that he's been there for, like, it seems like a while. And he's just like, yeah, now I'm just waiting. Like, he's talking to them, and he's, like, clearly had time to tell them his whole life story. And it's just, like, it weirdly deflating of all the tension. Nah, see, see, that's the tone, though. That is the tone. The tone is this superhero is built for it. He can wait it out. He's not going to panic. And, I mean, it's I, I do think but, that issue shows his rage towards angstrom when they're in the room together but as he's getting sent through dissonance to me he's not like, he's not just panicked all the time like that's not the character i think you're you're asking but, for a different character i think it could like with that character we he could still take the time of having some moments where like we take the time and 
to feel the gravity of the situation, like, like cut back a bit on that kind of jokes and like, like I don't think it's out of character for Ma- Mark to be panicked for a while in this situation, right? Like, like someone has the literally... upper hand and his mom's in danger. Like I think it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it and feels he's like helpless. Like in character for Mark, it feels like that's one of the moments where he loses control. That's if, that's literally why he does kill the guy. Like he is out. He it's a situation where he's supposed to be a bit out of character and more extra, more angry. And, like, I don't think that is felt that way until the very end. I think it is every time Every time they cut back to him seeing Angstrom. I mean, there's tremendous... We don't see Mark get yeah. really mad, almost ever. Um, and you see it a lot in this issue. Uh, and, and again, for good reason. Like, he is, yeah, like, he's on his back heels. I mean, I think, you know, the, the Walking Dead example, like, yeah, it's a gag. And it's a book full of gags. You know, it's, it's, it's trying to be funny. Um... And, uh, but even that is like, well, he's, he's been there for a while. Like rage dissipates with time. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, like you, he has to wait it out. He has no other choice. That is the only choice he has. Uh, and he's, he, he's very good at accepting those he, sorts of things. Here's, here's like a counter example to that. We're, we just covered Berserk on extra issues yesterday. Yeah. The main character of that is very angry <laughs> and very single-minded in his revenge. Uh, and yet the comic still can get across in tiny little moments that there's something beneath all this, that there's a vulnerability, that there's a trauma behind it, that there's like something more to this character than like strong and competent sure. uh, and angry. Right. Like I think not having crack show, especially in a character that you were trying to sell as like, yeah, he's just a normal teenage boy or at least trying his best to be right. Like it very rarely comes across that he has much. Yeah. Yeah. Like agency, for, uh, you know, not agency, like, is reacting to the situations <laughs> with, you know, variation. Uh, there, there's very little, like, variation, and he's so consistently, like, one tone. Th- there's a few little things, like, he kind of keeps refusing to talk about stuff here. You know, that's that's at least something where, like, people bring up stuff that is upsetting to him, and he's like, I don't want to talk about it. Okay, like, that's something. It's not great. It's not, like, the most, you know, insightful character stuff, but, like, that, that gives me something. Um, yeah, I just think it, looking for it's. I mean, it's interesting because like fixating on what's happening. The book wants you to focus on what's happening. The book is not especially adept or or really even asking you to look at like a character study of Mark Grayson. You know, um, and I and I like, I can see how that can be a problem, right? Um, he should like he is the main character. He should be someone that we are interested in. His stories. Yeah, stories are about people. They can't be about, like, you know, chess pieces moving around a board, right? Like, it has to be about people. Uh, Someone has never read Alan Moore's Darth Vader Star Wars story, which is a chess story. (laughs) Is that a thing? It is, actually. Nobody talks about Alan Moore doing a chess Star Wars story. (laughs) It it was on Marvel Unlimited at one point. I don't know uh, if it's still a thing. But, um, yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying, right? Like, it's for this book to be great... For this book to be an all-timer, you have to care about Mark Grayson. Um, and through 35 issues, I do see what you're saying in terms of, like, I don't know that he individually is that winsome, you know? Uh, right. He doesn't, I mean, you know, we're, we obviously made the Ultimate Spider-Man comparisons, but it's like, I've met Peter Parker, and you're no Peter Parker, sir, right? Like, he doesn't have the anxieties, the guilt. Um, I think a lot of the... A lot of the things that I think I like about Mark 
are kind of actually things that are done to him or done by other people, right? Like the vulnerability and the trauma of his dad. Well, no, because, you know, okay, so his dad does this horrible thing. Turns out he's an alien, conquering alien. He wants Mark to join him. Tells him his mother was nothing, never anything more than a pet. And Mark responds, <laughs> fr frankly, Jesus-like, <laughs> where, where he's like, uh, you know, he's like, I, I, what would I, what would you have after 500 years? And he's like, I'd still have you, dad. Like he just, he meets everything with love and compassion in a way that is, I'm going to say it, it's subversive. And uh, it's not something you see a lot from our conquering heroes. It is Superman-esque, you know, and it is a complaint people have about Superman comics a lot of times where it's like the big blue boy scout, right? Always doing the right thing and people getting annoyed with that. But it's, you know, I've been reading the, the Philip Kennedy Johnson action comics, which are the most recent run. It is so awesome <laughs> to read a Superman beat on his butt, trapped, and coming back with, we still help people. We help everyone we can. I, I just, I don't know. Those beats always charm me and motivate me. Um, again, Mark's no Clark Kent. Uh, but I think that is the mold that they're kind of striving for. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I hear... The character bits, I do think there's more differentiation than you're probably allowing for in your reading. Um, Eve, to me... Allowing was... for? <laughs> it's, such a, it's just a very loaded way of <laughs> putting it there. That yeah, I'm I'm, well, I think, you have, my I think you, you have expectations, you know, of, of, your, of your read. Mm, and I think mm. if you would just allow Invincible into your heart. <laughs> yeah, that's how it sounds. Like, I'm not, I don't have an axe to grind, like, you know, outside well, of. Well, the yes, you do. It's the whole premise. Well, <laughs> I, whole I guess, but it's not based on, like, you know, I don't have some, you know, culture war reason for, you know, there's no outside reason besides me sitting and reading the comic that I feel this way about the comic. <sighs> I can't think of any good, uh, good culture war moments so far. I mean, Kirkman is... issues. Well, there's definitely some gender stuff that's, uh, you know, you could you could hound on a little bit. Um, the uh, let's talk about stuff that I think works. I think he has some good twists. I think he does have some like interesting plot beats here. I think the I, I wrote down in my notes that like the like sometimes the oh wait 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 hang on hang on important important thing to add. yeah 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 and then I please I yeah, apologize yeah. for jumping in like this but um the, what I was just saying about Mark's character when he finds his dad again. Right? And all yeah. of a sudden, Omni-Man is back. This is a huge moment in these yeah. issues. And he's yeah. back. He's on an alien planet. He's literally he having... inter interrupting me to steal the sentence I was about to say. <laughs> <Jerk. Literally, laughs> okay. No, like... perfect then. Yeah, no, yeah. I just wanted to connect it to what I was saying in terms of the consistency of Mark's character. He is so willing to forgive his dad. I do think that is more emotionally resonant than we have so far given it credit for in terms of a father-son relationship. Um but I don't know. I, I see what you mean. But to me, that felt a bit like, oh, I have plans that need Omni Man back in the narrative. And then, yeah. like, everyone seems a bit too willing to forgive him, including, like, his it's fast. It is fast. Yeah. It is it, a bit too fast. I don't think he sells I, it I very well. But yeah. if I am surprised by something this comic does, that is. This is a backhanded insult i guess it's the best thing i can hope for this comic to do to me is for me to go oh i didn't see that coming like and not in and not in a way where i'm like well that's crazy like what are you talking about like not a twist that i feel is totally out of left field when it does something that i think kind of works and that surprised me uh that is 
kind of like the the heights of this comic so him forgiving his dad seeing his dad like him seeing his dad okay it's a little surprising but it's not that big of a deal but him immediately being like dad and like him and his dad half allying again that was a surprise and i think that kind of worked for me it kind of subverted my expectations his dad having a kid that he voices on him it's another good like oh, i really wouldn't have expected the comic to go in this direction kind of curious to see where that goes like that's those are it those are the two things because <laughs> you do dave you keep talking about like it's a comic that wants to that's interested in it's you know like sci-fi premises and then i look at it and i'm like i just like what? no i don't i don't think it's that interested or like it's plot. in sci-fi like premises sci-fi i think it's interested plot. in a lot of plot <laughs> yeah and it's just like it's not interested in like going deep on them yeah yeah but yeah i guess so because i'm like it's very 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 rare where i'm like well i haven't seen this done before or better in marvel it's a different context because it will be but you know what you haven't seen zach is you haven't seen it all in one book yes i know that's true i said this before we started invincible that i think that is hugely overvalued like if you read a marvel comic you're buying in on that you know also i have because ecstatics exists you know like ecstatic (laughs) does all this like has a long-running thing where it does feel like it can do whatever it wants and it runs for a really long time and it has twists and turns and more consequences that feel realer than anything happening here. Like to me, like the, you know, the death. Ecstatics is a weird comp. What do you mean in terms of ecstatics doing all of the superhero plot? All the No, time? I'm just saying that like, if you're talking about a superhero comic that can do, you know, that doesn't have to revert back to, um, you know, back to the norm, back to the baseline again, right? You can't kill Peter Parker in the middle of a Spider-Man run and have it last, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ecstatics does that. Invincible does that, I think, like... Oh, in terms of the shock. You're, like, well, extolling that, like, the comic doesn't have to follow any kind of status quo rules of, like, well, here's the Bible and you can't, like, mess with these things and they'll have to, like, dead characters will sure. have to come back. Like, there are other comics that do that. There are other superhero comics that do that i also think that's not something that's like it's it is refreshing for sure i was it was very refreshing and ecstatics to feel like oh this character is gonna get killed and like that's it and it does make it feel weightier than when like wolverine gets killed but at the same time i don't think it's like that big of a deal because you know it's just superhero comics like you do kind of just learn to like live in that space and yeah, but it, I do like I do really like having a book that is that is saying we don't have it doesn't have to be this way, <laughs> right? No, I I get that. Like I, but to me that's not like that is just that's literally built into like I'm making an indie superhero comic. It's something that they get to do, but it's not like an artistic choice that I'm like, oh my god, that's what a what an incredible choice to make. Like just by the mere function of creating a image line superhero comic, they get to do that, right? Which is nice, and it is it's a positive but it is not like like i can't imagine i'm gonna go read 150 issues of invincible it's one of the best comics of all time because it gets to do the thing that of course it would get to do because it's published by an independent publisher right like it's almost a decision that's made uh, for that's the comic. that's overly cynical the a lot of that it, you go ahead charlotte the fact that it keeps doing it well at least on the same level of like medium to good uh is like is impressive right like it's sure, like longevity and ability to keep that stamina up is quite impressive i would argue. I, i'm and just pushing back that, it. like it's oh i'm sorry charlotte i didn't i didn't mean to i stepped no that's it i just think like that's yeah. also a big part of it and i think i i agree that like 
just it being free from the shackles of like continuity and putting the toys back in the box like i think that's a big advantage but i think it's just a part of the package of what differentiated differentiates it from like the your regular marvel spirit comic and i think what you think about like yeah that's something you expect from indie comics but like do you have a lot of other examples of indie superhero comics that work that well? Right. Like, I don't have that many. Um, like, Raging Black is fun and cool. Yeah, I mean, there's a few, but that's yeah. just because most people don't want to, you know, try to... Like, Marvel and DC really have the, the market cornered. So I, I get it. Like, I get it being appealing. It is appealing. I, I can see that being like, you're going to get 150 issues of a superhero comic. It can do whatever it wants. It won't have to walk back anything. Like, that is an appealing thing. It is not, like, the most exciting thing to me. And, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, it, is, just... it is far from a foregone conclusion. You're saying, you know, it's like, oh, somebody said they're going to do an image superhero book, so obviously they're going to get to do what they want. That is so far from a foregone conclusion that anyone would have the time, the stamina, the ideas to sustain that. Um, to Charlotte's point, they're alternate superhero universes. It's not like other people haven't tried. <laughs> right like you know you see the success of a, a dc and marvel and you want that for yourself that, yeah i mean right? it starts like Spoon, with that and those books cetera, you know yeah. are are products of their era and you know are, are interesting history lessons certainly um but we're not you know not many people are going back today and you know doing the full wildcats binge um <laughs> yeah, you know shouts to it, jim lee shouts fair. to Alan like, Moore. I, I don't I, i'm not trying to totally take that away i just like i see this as one of the like the top three if not the number one reason that invincible is beloved of like well it gets to do superhero comics and it doesn't have to you know like it gets people to just keep people love forward. superhero comics though zach i think that's yeah, that's the yeah. piece of your soul that is missing <laughs> i read superhero comics all the time i know like, but you don't love them you don't love I, them i i mean i love a lot of superhero comics and i that's what i'm saying is that like i i guess just that aspect of it i don't value over the actual like content of the comic itself because it's just there's so many marvel comics that we've read for my Marvel's year that i'm like i think it's just a better superhero comic like mm -hmm. it has the shackles and then it still works in those constraints to do something you know more creative more you know more fresh like that i mean that's something i just keep reading thinking of this think... comic like it feels so simple and so yeah like, hitting you know like plot beats that i've just seen so many times it's just doing it in a way like you said dave it is doing it in a way where it's all in one comic for sure i guess that's like nice to see i don't know that doesn't excite me maybe maybe it's not that nice i, I think it it's part of what makes it feel less exhausting right uh yeah there's like there is a novelty to it and there is and yeah it being free from those shackles make it stand apart and make I know, like, I'd rather reread it than reread some of the very good superhero comics uh, we've read for MMY, just because, like, I don't know, it's also the fact that those comics are very often the same characters again and again. Like, this is the only version of an Invincible comic, right? Um, and it, even that is, like, I don't even like Invincible, the character, that much. Like, there are no characters in Invincible that I really like. Not that I dislike them, but like, yeah. there's not a single character in Invincible. I'm like, oh, that's like, that's my fave. That's like, yeah. that's a character I really appreciate. Yeah. Like, that's just not a thing, which is kind of weird because I like the comic. Charlotte, um, have you read Walking Dead? I I have, yeah. Are there Walking Dead characters that you like a lot? 
Ooh. It's kind of a similar vibe, yeah. It's I'm kind of just wondering. I think so. Yeah. I think so, but I, I do think, like, there's a similar thing of, like, it, I'm not attached to... I remember getting more much. attached to people in the Walking Dead-verse. Yeah. Because I think one thing Kirkman is forced to do there is once the conventions of genre and zombies have been established, and obviously that's going to keep recurring, it, it does actually become a very people-focused book. Yeah. You know, um, you do you do actually kind of have to And things care. happen to them that have weight. Like, yeah, they lose yeah, people. Yeah. They lose yes. stuff. Like, and you feel stuff, them cracking. Like. <laughs> yeah, stuff has lingering effects that it doesn't... Like, I can't think of the thing that has the most lingering effect in Invincible. Like, it should be Omni-Man. But even then, even that, like, is already getting, not walked back, but, like, healed very fast. Yeah. Uh, in many ways, like, maybe there's going to be, like, a big confrontation, like, a discussion between Omni-Man and, and, and Mark's mom or, like, something like that that feels like, oh, big character moment that feels like that thing has impact. But so far, I haven't felt that. Like, yeah, it feels like plot over characters reacting to that plot in, in many ways. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I, I think that's true. I think um, the characters that I, when I look back on these, if we're just looking at the first 35 issues, and I'm like, who are the interesting characters? I think Omni-Man is interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think Robot is interesting. Um, that's a weird life. You know, how many of us have been in a tank, but extending our consciousness into a robot body, and then cloning it into a... a Hot little boy. <laughs> I don't know how else to say like, it. Yeah, the hesitation on. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, that, that's a weird story. Uh, Monster Girl is on her way. I don't know that we're there yet. I like Eve. I like Eve a lot. I actually think Angstrom Levy is a really good character. Um, I think is he an interesting character with this? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think Charlotte he is. Sounds I still more don't negative get than his I do. whole deal. You don't get his whole I, deal? Well, he's try. He can hop multiverses, right? And he can. Sure. You can find all the other angstroms, and they are trying to. What are they trying to do? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that's exactly. He's what, trying to combine like, all the multiverses into his one brain, so that he will have the power to like see all the multiverses clearly. So because it's like all of them can. So, but like he wants thing, to do good, though, right? Like it's not. It's like a like for good. I think reasons. so. But here's my thing with that, and I'm gonna be Zach for a for a moment here. <laughs> yeah, uh, do the voice. I think a lot the of voice. those superhero and supervillain characters from Invincible are just like you can just see the Marvel or DC version, and they're not doing anything better or more interesting with that. Like Angstrom yeah. Levy is just like a cosmic powered leader from from Marvel comics, and like. In no way is he more interesting than that, right? Like, I don't think there's anything about him that's, like, a, a little bit of a twist or something to make him, like, feel more rounded and feel more special. And I think that's true of most of the superheroes and supervillain characters in in Invincible. I think, like... Omni-Man gets to be the exception. Omni-Man is the exception. Robot has, like, something more to him. And then, like, the Mola twins have at least the, like... They're fun. The clone thing is... A bit repetitive, but at least it's something that makes them original and different. Like, yeah. I can't think of the Mola Twin equivalent Boy, but from, it is, from Marvel or DC. It has been 35 issues, and they are still doing the it same is like, joke. I, was, I thought they were, like, 
getting to something when they're like, oh, now we know who's the villain. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know something? Like, okay, interesting. It's evolving. And they go right back to being like, okay, but who's the second generation? And I think like that's immediately kind of funny. Yeah. It's, but it's then like you're three issues later and you're like, oh, so they just went back to it? Huh. Okay. <laughs> that, that actually reeked of uh, a failure of ideas. Yeah, where when when it's like, uh oh, I got rid of my gag. I better dive right back into it. I I do kind of agree with you there. Um, I think you know when you're looking at, I read an interview with Kirkman from 2007 recently where he's talking about the you know kind of invincible at that point. So it'd been out for four or five ish years, and somebody was the question was essentially like you know how are you mirroring superhero universes? And he was like, you know, Kirkman's answer was I'm paraphrasing was essentially like oh you know we kind of you know obviously we're like playing with the genre and all that, but, you know, basically, like, we don't really, like, copy anything that directly. Like, I can only think oh, of a few right. instances. And then in the back of my mind, I'm screaming. I'm like, that is <laughs> that is 99% of what everyone <laughs> is, you know? Yeah. Like, you've got Alan the Alien and the League of Planets is very clearly a, a Legion of Superheroes thing. Um, Guardians of the Globe is obviously a heavy Justice League thing. Like, there, like Martian, we, got, we got a Martian Manhunter here. Like, there yeah. are so few instances... Of, of something that doesn't feel reminiscent of superheroes. And, like, I don't fault it for that. But to pretend that that's not happening <laughs> yeah, is no, I, I really I, weird. I, we talk about this a fair amount with Marvel because I think it's a, a very common issue with Marvel comics and probably more with the comics that we don't even read on My Marvelous Year is the superhero comics that feel like they're reflecting and integrating nothing but past superhero comics into them, right? Uh-huh. Like... And it's like to be a good or great superhero comic, like you need to bring in more than just you know your adoration of other superhero comics, you know. Or if you're gonna just bring in other superhero comics, it has to be you know like commenting on them in some way. It has to be you know like bringing in uh, you know like Frank Miller. I keep I drive this home, but like there's a lot of movies that like it. You know his love of different styles of movies, his yeah. focus on specific types of people and their struggles like there's clearly like psychologies that he likes to explore with his characters i don't get any of that from invincible and it's really the big like i'd get so little from invincible besides a love of other superhero comics and you know not like even mark wade would take like his love of fantastic four and then he like would update it in some interesting ways like this feels like even shallower than that like and then it, it doesn't I, I just feel so little of, like, humanity or other art or even, like, trying to take superhero comics and then have your own thoughts on them. Like, the Omni-Man thing is really the thing that this comic has that distinguishes it from everything else. Like, the Viltrumite angle. Because besides that, I'm just like, I think I've seen this in so I, well, many other comics. Well, I think you're kind of, I think you're a little bit overlooking, actually, like, something that is so obvious that none of us talk about it amber amber i forgot amber she stands out gosh is amber great (laughs) Um, (laughs) no it's it's the fact that it's a teen superhero book um there actually aren't many of those (laughs) like like that is that is a big a big piece of they're they're in college like which it kind of now teens in college (laughs) no i know but like yeah, weirdly now it doesn't feel so much. Yeah, I guess sometimes it does feel like a teen book, but in other times it just feels like they're young adults. Well, like, I just, you know, the the Peter Parker Spider-Man stuff is obviously the template, right? Um, but then jump through the next four decades, and we, we talked about this a little bit last episode, 
who else are we playing with here? You, you know? <laughs> here's here's one of the ruder things I'm going to say to you, Dave. A lot of the biggest strengths that you are highlighting of this comic are things that I have no no response except, well, yeah, that's technically true. <laughs> like, it is technically an ongoing superhero comic that has to, like, it is, like, just by definition, it is a teen superhero comic. But, like, those are not necessarily virtues to me those are just no it doesn't that doesn't alone make it interesting but when the criticism is it's not doing anything differently well it is it's actually very it's actually very that's not that common i i I guess i don't know having your characters be like 18 instead of 24 is not like a revelation in like superhero storytelling to me i guess also it's weird oh you should you should tell that to the uh spider-man editorial offices because they are (laughs) obsessed with the fact of of peter parker's age and you know it does make a difference in how you tell these stories i mean having your character in high school just starting college well these these invoke different uh these invoke different storytelling choices they invoke different pressures different anxieties than mid-20s in the workforce these are different stages of life i agree and that's Um, something that i'm like saying when i compare it to ultimate spider-man that's the thing that ultimate spider-man i think gets like he feels like a teen because he feels erratic and out of control and like totally emotionally overwhelmed you feel like he's a teen who it's like how do you burden all that like this on your shoulders I, i just don't get that from mark also what is with the sex stuff sorry i, I need to bring this up what's with this what's with this what's what's it all about guys <laughs> what's the sex <laughs> how much do we need to explain to you <laughs> where should we start um <laughs> sorry never mind um the there's a really there's a there's an odd i think it's the issue zero uh well hang on i do with the deals? sex with the sex i do want to say i do think it's funny not haha funny but like it's funny how sheepish the book is about sex um and how like it kind of does this you know disney we're going to close the doors and yeah, leave them alone yeah. thing but yeah. then how ultra violent <laughs> no is. okay well no no i'm not even talking about that because yes i do want to get to that no later mark says he didn't have sex later someone's asking him like oh you when? spent the night it's like uh, the he's next lying, day isn't he is that the is that what's happening because the next day he's like I, oh you stayed over and then he's like we didn't do anything and I'm like, I this... thought he was lying, but maybe I'm wrong. That that is the biggest like tonal issue I've been having with this is when that's I, I a big uh, tell... Peter Parker sins past moment right there. I can't well, tell if well, somebody... we, we never we never touched what <laughs> him selling some kind of like like sarcasm or someone like muttering something under their breath. There's a bunch of moments like that where I'm like, is is this person being sarcastic? Are they being snippy? I don't. There's a, a ton of stuff where I had no idea what the tone is. You know what would actually help this book a lot, Zach, with a lot of what you're describing is actually not the art, but it would be if Ajita Ajita Bittaker or um, Hasan Otsmane Elhau lettered the book. <laughs> like, yeah, if you had sure. a really talented uh, modern letterer yeah. to sell different voices and yep. and yep. sarcastic mutterings because the the lettering is all exactly the same all the there's, time. There's sometimes where I'm like, is he being like there's a there's a time where he's explaining his problems with amber and eve mark's explaining his issues to the tailor yeah and in the middle of his story the tailor like does some aside and he's just like oh that reminds me of something in my life and mark goes that's nice period anyway period (laughs) and it feels so rude but i can't tell if it's supposed to be him being like uh 
awkward. Like, because uh, you don't think of them as you know, he's not. Why would he be antagonistic to this man who's shown him? Nothing? But like, it's Kindness. hard to read him being like, "That's nice." Period. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Period. As anything like it, it you know, it kind of reads as short or like awkward or something well that's I when i was at the library yesterday this yeah. this grandmother walked up and told me that i had a very nice son that he had very good manners um because he said thank you to her and i said that's nice period <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, it's tiny tiny complaint that's not something i really care that yeah. much about yeah. um okay i mean maybe i misread the sex thing but he definitely tells somebody i think his roommate not the first that, time like you've had that problem <laughs> the se- also about sex how do, how do you know when you're done cue to leslie nielsen's naked gun i faked every orgasm <laughs> <laughs> the thing about the violence uh is that violence is i think a attractive part of the comic i think it makes that does feel fresh for this comic that kind of like that the violence gets real and yeah. that, you know, you have, like, these super-powered people punching each other. I actually, I really like Mark accidentally killing Angstrom and being like, I thought you were stronger. Like, that Superman, you know, or especially a young, fresh Superman, would not understand, like, oh, this guy can take a full punch from me and this guy's head will explode. <laughs> right? Like, right. Yeah. That somehow in superhero comics, they almost always, you know, get their punches just right to the level of, uh, like, threat. I think that that is a good part about this. When Aunt Alan gets torn to pieces, uh, I think that's a shocking moment. I think that works. It does feel so jarring with the rest of the comic that feels it doesn't swear, it doesn't have sex, and it feels like it's generally written for, like, 10, 12-year-olds. Like, well, and that's what's weird. That's what It is so weird because it's like, if I could evaluate this fully as a middle-grade graphic novel... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think my argument would be a lot stronger. <laughs> and <laughs> and the ultra violence yeah, makes it uh impossible. And I'm yeah, not yeah. opposed to it. It's a thing I it's a thing I appreciated about it as a young man getting into it. But now I'm kind of like you know, it's like everything else. Yeah, I, I mean, I do agree with you. It does feel kind of immature. Blood, right? isn't it? Yeah. It's just gallons and gallons of blood, right? But like, no, is there I mean, much when, like... when Alan get Alan gets beat up and they like punch him and rip his eye out, and his eye is like dangling ah, from his skull. They tear his guts out and they rip but his I think, arm like, off. Like because <laughs> it's because a lot of blood the... too. It's a lot of blood. <laughs> yeah. I think because of the style, it never feels gross to me. It never feels real, right? Like it just feels. I don't. It it feels the same, in like the Transformers movies, where like a Transformers gets cut in half, and it's just like oil leaking out and like mechanical parts that like kind mm. of look like organs. Like to me, that looks like that. It just never feels. Uh, I think like, you have a lot of like, like bruising and faces mashed in, and yeah, there's a little grotesqueness. Yeah. Kind yeah, of I like think Charlotte, your, Levy's your brain is a little broken. <laughs> <laughs> it might be. It might be. <laughs> I don't know. All the insults are zinging from tired, hungover Zach today. I love it. <laughs> the, uh, maybe, the maybe, maybe I'm broken brain. from growing up on the internet, but like, I don't know. It it never feels that violent to me. Well, you've clearly watched too many Transformers movies. <laughs> it seems like the bigger problem, <laughs> possibly. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, yeah it, but it know. does it does make the comic. It it kind of makes the uh, the violence feel immature to me. Which, yeah. uh, because it has that, like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. this is for adults. But, like, the rest of the comic is not really working on that 
wavelength uh, at all. So, uh, yeah. Although, you know what? I still... Otley sells it. It's good. Like, I'm, I'm glad it's here. It honestly. is good. It is very good superhero art. I think Otley's really good at it. Um, I, I do... I always prefer... Like, the thing that matters to me or the things I enjoy are, like narratively what it means as opposed to the violence with which they're displaying it you know so like i am interested in the standout angstrom levy issue because of the stakes and because it's a plot that just they resolved it like i i don't know that's a cool thing too where you know these comics you can get a feel of like okay you have 75 balls in the air where's any of this going and then all of a sudden it's like boom that one answered that is nice to have resolution I'm glad you bring this up again. Charlotte, I want to know if you feel the same way. Because Dave's bringing up this, like, angst from Levy. It's simmering in the background for t- almost 20 issues, I think. Like, we're yeah. seeing the slow buildup of this. Yeah. Mark goes to the warehouse. He 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 doesn't actually cause the explosion. Like, Angstrom does it himself. But, like, he is part of the explosion that, like, He, he Dr. Dooms and Lex Luthers him, right? He blames him for a thing yeah. that probably wasn't his fault. Oh, yeah. That's a good comparison. Um... Oh, and I really like Angstrom Levy's design, actually. I love... He comes out of the machine in the brain. Yeah. Like, his brain is all over his head, right? Like, the top of his head yeah. is all brain. And then it's, like, leaking down onto his shoulders. Like, it goes down his neck onto his shoulders. And he's got, like, brain shoulder pads. Um, it could be grosser, honestly. I think it could look more, like, tender and, you know, like, vulnerable. But um, I like that design a lot. <laughs> tender. Um, Ew. Well, you know, kind of like squishy, like raw. <laughs> like you don't want to touch it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that all happens, and then the issue you get the final page, page turn. Angstrom Levy's holding his mom and his little brother hostage. And Dave, you're being like, that's an exciting aspect of this comic that you have all these threads, and then any of them could blow up at any moment. Yeah, I, I just don't feel that like the tension of Angstrom Levy is not building in the background. It would just be so much better if I was waiting for that moment to happen rather than oh. it just being a like, oh, okay, this one's up. Like, this well, you is talk about called- not ever being surprised, and like that is that is how you achieve that. Is oh, I was just in Africa with Eve and Mark. I was not thinking about Angstrom at all. Boom, here we are. This it's, is going. I actually like that. The, I think that's kind of one of Kirkman's greatest strengths is pacing. Like he, there's a propulsion to this book that is kind of unmatched, you know? Like, it is just, it is a steam engine barreling forward, and he will just hit you with these moments. I mean, it's a thing that, when anyone talks about Invincible, this is the, the takeaway, is the the thing they're gonna remember are these explosive moments. The Omni-Man fight, the Angstrom-Levy issue, um, and then stuff that comes later, right? But it's I, like... I, d- I don't think the Angstrom-Levy issue is, like, anywhere near the level of the Omni-Man fight. I don't know. To me, that uh, didn't... No, I mean, it's... Not, how could it be? I mean, that's the first 13 issues are... Sure, but like, I'm actually, to me, I'm with it's Dave way more one. of just a, regular fights or, like, regular story. Oh, I don't think it's regular. That to... seems harsh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you, Dave. I actually think... Because, I mean, the fact that Mark, you know, it's his mother in the room. Sure, the yeah. The threat is, like, it's a small room. It's a confined threat. And then Angstrom just keeps, like, swatting him away. Uh, to other dimensions yeah. and feels like he's just playing with them. I, I I get it. I think this is one of the highlights for me too. Maybe. I ju- I think my thing is that the like the comic juggles between like 15 different storylines and none of them feel <laughs> Here here's 
Here's my sentence in my notes. The multiple threads yeah. is an appealing way to build the world and spin many plots at once. I am just not intrigued by any of them. <laughs> <laughs> kinda, yeah, kinda. But like, and also like jumps between them and never lets any of them be like, have the room to be that exp- interesting. Uh, like there's, there's a thing where Invincible goes to to stop like, I don't I don't remember the names of the characters, but like uh, the Batman equivalent or like the former Robin yeah, equivalent, Darkwing or something. Darkwing or something. Yeah, Darkwing. Because yeah, also you can call a character yeah. Darkwing. That's just Darkwing Duck. That's, yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm gonna think. You know what? Every time. You know what, Charlotte? I just knocked it down a ranking because of because of you pointing that out. You're 100 <laughs> percent correct. That is offensive and should not be allowed. Uh, but like. That whole thing is just him arresting that guy who's just like going out and killing people for no reason. And that that whole thing feel like me describing the story, I'm not like jumping that much stuff. Like it's just yeah. that for like four or five pages. It's like <clears throat> there's nothing more interesting to it. The it's art just the art's kind of a fun little guy. fight. There's a couple little like fun fight beats, but yeah, it's weird. I actually forgot about it entirely. It feels weightless, and well, I think like totally, a lot of the totally. storylines feel that way. Like the comic feels hyperactive in a way of like just juggling between those like different story beats, but like to the point of losing focus. Focus to me in some in some in s- not all the time, but like there's a lot of times I'm like, is this important? Is this anything? What's gonna? What is going to matter? Is mm-hmm. everything going to matter? But like only in three volumes. What should I be focusing on? Um, and I think like it's missing a core storyline. It's missing or like it's missing. There are very few issues where I'm like, oh, this is like an issue I can remember with a story I can remember. Like I think. That's maybe the way where the Angstrom Levy fights uh, can can stand out in the same way that Omni Man or like the uh, Ant Planet fight issue. Right. But like most issue just feel like, yeah, we're like doing three three pages of like some of our of our storylines, but like not paying off that much stuff, just like keeping the ball rolling and it's like it does feel frustrating. In often, I think I the think. superhero superhero fandom, though, one of the things that they get most obsessed over is, you know, do things get resolved, right? If you've planted seeds, do we get a resolution? And I think all the plots you're describing, Charlotte, they all get their moment. They all they Wouldn't all have a moment. I think cool describing <laughs> your weightlessness. Well, I, I think that describing the weightlessness is a good way to describe Invincible for good and for ill. Like it is. You're holding it in your hands. It is weightless. It is weightless. It is weightless. And then it is a rock of of a heavy focus moment of the Omni-Man fight, of the alien planet, and Mark's little brother, of Angstrom Levy. And then it goes back to weightlessness. And I think the breeziness and the propulsion of that is actually to its benefit. In a lot of cases, I think a lot of readers like that. You could be breezy and then still have interesting things happening right like the these are not but they but that's what i'm saying though is like if you are if you are enjoying the the various uh heavy moments what you should be recognizing is the breeziness is going to come to a to something bigger uh so then i think you but i don't feel readers will get more invested I don't think he sells that. I, I don't think the like regular moments are interesting enough between the. So here's a yeah. 
like comparing this to Love and Rockets, which we just read, which is very, very good at doing that, like we're just keeping up with like a wide cast of characters and storyline. Sure. And sometimes there's a big thing that happens that becomes important like later. But like, it's just really good at just keeping that ball rolling and making like the role of the ball be interesting. And like, honestly, comparing Love and Rockets to this is like nuclear bomb versus coughing baby. Like, <laughs> but, but like, oh, thank you. Well, it is, a, it is an insane comparison because not once in yeah. Love and Rockets does Luba get trapped in the multiverse. Not yeah. once in Love and Rockets does Maggie uh, get beaten up by her own uh, alien father. <laughs> Yeah, but oh like, you know God. what I mean is like <laughs> I think Invincible isn't good enough at just like keeping that ball rolling between the big moments. I think like it shines in those moments, but like nowhere else. Mm. Which is like those moments are far and few, few in between. Like there's not that many of them to to merit. And like I like the comic. Like my my whole thing. Like when I finished the the issues for this recording, I was like. I kind of want to keep reading. Like I, it, I'm, I have to force myself to not keep reading because I think there's something addictive to it, um, with I, and to that hyperactivity, honestly. Uh, but I do think it does, yeah, lose focus, and it's not, it's not that good in it, the it, moments it, between. And the it things. just could, like, it could. It, it's not like you would could lose the breeziness by having whatever this sleeping city that Darkwing is haunting be an actual idea. Right, like have some kind of idea, have some kind of ex- some tension, some drama there, some you know like plot contrivance that we would get a little seed planted. Like there's there's just you know that that that's a great example because I forgot about it entirely that it happened because it left. Yeah, I would. No say, I mean, I would say that that example is just like an analog reference that isn't isn't really sustained. Um, I think you know one thing I will say that I like a lot actually about. What you're all. Um, I thought you were here. about to say one thing. I will say I like about Invincible is. Okay, so the breeziness, right, and the the you know the, kind of the almost a lack of focus, the bouncing around, right, just doing all these things. One thing that got really annoying about this era of comics is everything was started getting written for the trade. You'd have six issues, and it would be six issues tackling one thing. And, you know, and there's a focus to that, yes, but there's also a tedium and it can feel dragged out and it can feel like, well, we're stuck in this thing. And if you don't like it, you're stuck. Hmm. And one thing that's really nice about Invincible, and I had kind of forgotten this, you know, I I remember thinking like when we got to like the mid thirties and I was like, oh, the reanimen are back. I don't care about this plot line, but there's so many other things happening and it's never... It's never so centralized on the one thing that that does not matter. Um, there are so many other pieces moving at all times. And that is that is the sort of chaos superhero universe stuff that I like. I mean, I, again, I just, I do really like packing in the density of the full verse. Like, it's why Injustice was such a hit. It's what people, I think, often claim to love about, you know, a manga like My Hero Academia. Um, why the early days of Black Hammer or Rogue Sun feel so promising. It's all the superhero highs contained to one place from one creative team. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they don't get bogged down and let something linger if it's not working. Like, there's some dumb stuff that's going to come. Like, there's a whole Lizard League plot where it's like, it's like, why? Like, oh, like, I guess Kirkman really enjoyed the uh, Serpent Society from Captain America comics. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's some weird stuff where it's yeah. like, why is this? But it's, I think when you throw... 
90 dartboards or 90 darts and 15 of them hit the bullseye. Like that's kind of superhero comics at their best, actually. Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree that that is that that like functions that that makes the comic function slightly better and like make it breezier. Breezy is not like a word that I'm like, you know, when I'm thinking of my favorite superhero comics, like breezy does not rise to the top of the list of something that I'd be looking for. Right, like it's often the opposite. Like a dense comic is something I like. The breezy might be something I might be more likely to just kind of want to pick up. But it's not wholly breezy. I think is kind of my thing. Is like because yeah. there are those heavy moments. But even in comparison to the other breezy comic, where we a lot of times praised it for being breezy, Ultimate Spider-Man, I think like I mean you and I come down differently. I guess on that, like I think Ultimate Spider-Man is more successful doing all of this right and running for just as long and not having to backpedal on stuff see but that would be a good um, example where i'm looking at that and i'm thinking oh okay this is the uh i guess this is the black cat gang war trade yeah yeah that's we're true. stuck in yeah uh, you yeah know, that, and that's not a, doing that is anything a else. that is a benefit of this comic I'll, I'll definitely give you that and you know what I, I i think i actually agree with you about the my example angstrom levy just popping up i think it would be better like it would be better if i felt some tension like if if when Angstrom Levy, when I'm seeing him in his other scenes, I'm like, oh no, this is going to be bad when it happens. Like, whatever is happening here seems dangerous. Whatever's happening here is, you know, something I don't want to take my eye off of. I think that would be better, but it is fine, I think, the way that it does just appear out of nowhere. I don't think I need to feel it, like, about to, you know, about to pop off any second. Um, but I think in the moment it could be more exciting, as Charlotte was kind of saying. Sure. Um, Charlotte, you and I are in perfect lockstep. If anything, you like this less than I do. <laughs> it's good. I think that's definitely like the <laughs> I takeaway. Think I like this are... less than you do. I think it's the takeaway that most people. I, are I mean, take. I do think. I do think just like as the conversation continues, and I don't know if we talked about this last time or not, but none of us are looking for an invincible type book in our lives <laughs> <laughs> at this point in our lives. Um, so fair, fair enough. I could have. It is not actually a great moment. Yeah. <laughs> Charlotte, what's that, Charlotte? Young, Charlotte. I kind of am actually. You kind of are. Like I don't know. Like, and, and I think that's why I'm so like willing to keep going with it. Is like yeah. I actually have a lot of time for a very strong in like <laughs> strong independent coming book. Uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, a good indie like out of marvel and dc like FTF, superhero book, like showing what superheroes book. can be like i'm actually hungry for that yeah um but and i don't think like invincible is the one that like uh answering my call um but like it could be right and i'm it kind of judging it so on that this yeah is just like, kind of i a, actually a, have a lot of time for a, a independent like breezy out of marvel dc superhero comic book like showing what superheroes can be right Right, but a little differently. Um, like, you know what? Another one that I was thinking that, like Charlotte, I kept I kept thinking of strong female protagonist while we were reading this and being yeah. like, oh yeah, yeah that just that just comparison. exists and does its own superhero world and you know and then brings in so much new stuff into that world, right? And makes its own thing out of it. Um, I do think you know the not first a, time not a totally fair comparison. The first time I read Invincible and I was, you know in a different place and had read fewer comics. And I think I was definitely more into like the comic soul aim of, of just like superheroes reimagined, you know, cause I think to your point, Zach, in terms of like, what does it add or what does it have to say? I mean, it is, it is in and of 
it is about itself. I mean, it is about the superhero genre. I, I don't know that it has anything else <laughs> to and say. Then, and, and then when it does that, that makes me go, well, I'll just go read a really good Superman comic. <laughs> like, that's that's kind of the mm. feeling I get is like, mm. it just makes me want to go read the the good stuff that it's, you know, the great stuff that it's uh, cribbing from. Right? Yeah. And doing a slightly slighter version of um yeah yeah uh charlotte i cracked up earlier because you were like you talked about invincible doing something and i had a moment because i was like that's the name of the comic charlotte that's not <laughs> like i forgot that his name's invincible <laughs> in this um just like yesterday when we were recording about berserk i kept calling the main character whose name berserk. guts i kept calling yeah. him berserk i was Mr. like yeah, berserk. And, then berserk, yeah. and then berserk would walk over here <laughs> and then berserk said um yeah no, his 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 name isn't Berserk. He's Berserk's monster, actually. <laughs> uh, Dave, here's uh, let's see. Last time I think I gave this, I gave the last chunk. Hmm, I don't know what I did. This this chunk of comics, I'm gonna give a seven out of ten. Did you like this more or less? More than the more. first nineteen issues. Definitely so it did. More, uh, uh, it did actually get a little ooh, better. I gave a six point seven last time. Okay, I, I have. I'm, I'm writing these on the rankings. Those um, are shockingly high rankings. Uh, what, what are you, IGN reviewing a video game? <laughs> I mean, the thing is, like, <laughs> I I tried to say this at the beginning. The all these criticisms are only like really coming out strongly because of the like the 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 pedestal that the comic has been put on, and also that we're on a podcast talking about it, right? And it's not fun just to <laughs> say like this is fine. Like, I view this as kind of like the marvels of comics like we talked about marvels i mostly praised marvels the bcx fun the, of my take of the invincible being to comics what the mcu is to movie and now you're saying essentially the same thing <laughs> no i was no that was not what you said <laughs> you said that you i, I guess so <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yeah well i was saying i do all the marvel movies as their own thing you were like invincible is its own thing it, it doesn't, I don't know. Sure. I guess. I I'm just saying, it, like, it, it, you know, the conversation we had about the Marvels was somewhat calibrated to, like, yeah, everybody kind of mostly is like, this movie's pretty good. It's fine. And if it was like, there, there's a flaw in only responding to the other responses, uh, I think. Yeah, like, that's sure. Not, that's not yeah. as be a interesting. Trap. Yeah. For sure. But I think, like, with Invincible, I think the legacy of this is so big that it's hard not to, and that's a little bit of the conceit of the show um i do try to avoid that sometimes um when we're talking about stuff but well it is i mean it has it it claimed the mantle of the independent you know non-big two superhero book of mm -hmm. the 2000s like it claimed that position and canonically you know there's certain fandom support has risen like has has elevated to that level and then of course kirkman's tremendous success outside of comics have now it only increased that sort of cementing that legacy, right? Like if, you know, yeah. you're saying, what was the zombie comic of the 2000s? It's Walking Dead. What was the non-Big 2 superhero comic? It's Invincible. Yeah. Um, so there is, you know, it's not it's not necessarily just like responding to a hot take. It's responding to years of kind of reaching a, a position yeah. that this book holds, which obviously like I am generally aligned with. Um in terms of like supporting this book and saying it's actually a great place to start on. I, I, I do. I feel like my job is much harder, <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, because I am trying to arguing from the wrong position. Yeah. 
Well, it is. It's like I'm I'm arguing from the wrong side of the decade, uh, or a wrong side of ten years, and um, you know, like about what makes this so special, and it's hard to do, frankly, because I mean, if we were just sitting in a bar, not on a podcast. Uh-huh. And you were like, let's reread all of Invincible. Like, I, you know, I'd be like, no, like, that's why we made this. That's why we made this a Patreon goal. Like, this is not an activity I'm <laughs> yeah. eager to have done. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I'm having a better time with it than I thought I would be. I think they're in- pretty interesting conversations. And so, like, that's what I hope to continue. Like, for me, one of the most interesting things as we continue is, you know, next time I want to talk about how it's adapted and kind of how that works and what it says about the source material. I also want to talk, you know, we keep saying like, okay, we have to compare this on a superhero level. We have to compare it on a superhero level. I think we should get specific. No, that's and, me. That's me giving the comic uh, a break, right? Like, because if I, if I compare it to other Marvel comics, like, it's it's somewhere on the high end of the middle, right, of all the Marvel comics we've read for my Marvels here. If I put it up against, like, comics in general... It's pretty far down. <laughs> no, I know. I know you think that. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. That's that's fine. But I'm saying like we should we should look at the actual landscape, mm. you know, in some specificity and say what else. Okay, like what are the other books that are doing this? Yeah. Um, yeah. What do, what do they read like? And is you know, and I guess you know, one thing to one thing that'll be interesting to question is <clears throat> is Invincible's legacy position wrong? Is it should it not be? the book that achieved this status. You know what I mean? Uh, did did fandom get it wrong? I think that's interesting. I mean, I think a broader level, like even just like what is it that we want out of superhero comics is something that I'm kind of always interrogating, you know, just in my own daily life as I oscillate more and more between wanting to read none versus where I was, you know, a decade ago where I wanted to read all of them all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is... That is kind of an interesting question as well. So I think those are things we're going to be looking at as we continue through Convincible. I mean, what are, What are the other like comps that we? Could, I mean, top ten, like Alan Moore's top ten. Tom Strong, it's a Region little bit Black. of one. Supreme, Radiant Black. Uh, I kind of, I kind of want to avoid. I kind of want to avoid anything that came within the last like, like eight years, because sure. that kind of yeah. doesn't feel. I don't know. Maybe we'll just That's set the line I'm, like, at like, sure. like top ten MCU, and like su- right? Supreme. Right, well, Supreme's like, even earlier. Yeah, I, I just if we go '90s to 2005, like what what I would mean, be the things that are Image of, Founders Spawn. What's that Spawn? I mean, because if yeah, we're if we're going Spawn. peers, I guess. <laughs> yeah. If we're going actual peers as opposed to just like the full history of the medium, like obviously comics have learned, and there are modern. You know, I meant yeah, we mentioned Radiant Black, we mentioned um, Black Hammer. I mean, like, My Hero Academia. Since past. Man. We might have to do a little My Hero Academia, because I feel like those comps are extremely strong. Um, yeah. <laughs> ugh, ugh, that's, that's an overstatement. Have you read those? My Hero Academia? Uh, not a ton, but a little. Uh, How's it an overstatement? Just, they're not very strong. <laughs> that's all. Uh, the I, books I'm, aren't I'm, very strong? Yeah, I'm a little... Oh, okay. Angry. So, I, no, I'm, I'm thinking of it in terms of, like, extremely, uh, popular entry sure. points. Sure. It's very, very culturally relevant. I, I like My Hero Academia. Okay. I don't I don't want to trash it too much, but... Well, I, I, I do think that would be... I mean, to me, that's kind of like... If you're like, well, I also don't like that, then it's kind of like, okay, so like if we take all the really popular entry points and your, <laughs> your takeaway is, I don't enjoy these, then it's like, well, okay. like that's No, what, I mean, that's, the that's closer to a shonen. That's not a... I don't think that's a 
as close of a comparison as it is, you know, it's like, if I don't like Naruto, that's just like a ninja themed version of this versus a superhero themed version of this. They're, they're way closer to each other than that. This is too don't, invincible. Don't obfuscate me with, with manga terminology that I won't understand. It's, it's manga. And I just got called out for that. And it's crazy. I said manga the first time and I just switched it back. Everybody, everybody on this podcast says manga, but I just got a call out in the, my Rosier Slack that was like, maybe in the 2000s, Zach will start pronouncing manga wrong. And it was like, everybody on the show says it this way. Charlotte, Charlotte, how do you say it? I mean, I, here's the thing, because I'm adapting to English, I say it manga, because that's how you say it with an English accent, uh-huh. which is weird, because like in French, you pronounce it in the same way as in Japanese, which is manga. Like, that's how you say it in French. So if you were, if you were selling someone at your store a copy of, or you're trying to get them to pick up a copy of My Hero Academia, what would you tell them in French? Well, we don't have manga at my store, so. <laughs> oh, you don't I even sell like, it? Oh, okay. No, we only say, we only sell American comics. <laughs> Well, I but, guess we'll yeah, continue manga. serving it's, these freedom fries just in your honor. Wow. <laughs> Didn't know you were so uh, so dedicated. Okay. Yeah, yeah manga. Okay. So I, I think I think we can all agree. No, it's fine. It doesn't Doesn't manga matter, sound though. doesn't it feel like saying pretentious? Uh yes, like oh, I drive a Porsche. Not uh-huh. a, it's like okay, I yeah, know I, technically that's what I said yesterday. I was like it's like me being like I'm going to go visit Terry. We literally Terry. had this discussion on yeah. <laughs> on my kids. Did you? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's come up more than once. And yet Charlotte didn't say Charlotte said manga throughout the entire episode. She didn't even try once. Because yeah, when, <laughs> when I'm speaking in English, I'm speaking with an English accent. I, I'm like, not calling you out. I'm even calling like, out the people who aren't going to call you I out. I say think... in English, I say my own name with an English accent. Like I say Charlotte. <laughs> I don't say Charlotte. So. <laughs> wow, it is. She's afraid. You know, the culture. This is the first time I'm realizing that Charlotte has to do all these recordings in another language, so in an the first a- time you doing it? accent work. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I know, you, I know you're bilingual. I know you speak multiple languages, but I'm, I, I had never thought of it in terms of like, like I, if I came into every episode and I was like, hello and welcome to my Marvel's year. I'm here today to talk about uh, what <laughs> we've been doing the here in the, uh, in the Marvel Comics universe where we go from the history of Marvel Comics from its origin to today. It's not bad. Every well, episode. I'm, I'm really curious because I, I like, I, I feel like I usually have more of an American accent when I speak English, but like, I, I, I probably sometimes jump into like British for one or two sentences, like, just without mm-hmm. like, I've I'm never, not that I've good never at heard like, that, I don't think. At like keeping a specific uh, accent going. So like, no, I think I it's, think I think it's quite good and quite consistent. Thank um, you. But I think my accent is mostly American, but like, I think probably sometimes I'm do just you, like... Do you have words that you think like you say the British English version of? Because I've never heard you do that. Um, I don't actually know. I think it's just like, depend... <laughs> I don't know what that accent was. That was Texas. There you go. I, I do. It I was depends. just going to say, I wish your American accent was super Texan. <laughs> <laughs> That's what all like Brits... All default to when they try yeah. to do an American accent, as they all sound I think like I, Texas. Yeah, that's so, true. I think yeah. I like if I've watched like an episode or two of Doctor Who before we we record, like maybe we we record, 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 record. Yeah. record. Now we've really I'm gotten in your it, head. So yeah, fully losing it. Um, but yeah, like I think it fully depends on like what accent I've been hearing recently. Uh, I think but I do think it's mostly French, American. I think your French accent to our ears overrides overrides that sure yeah that's true that's true i had a a friend um in college who was mexican and she had learned english she spoke totally fluent english but she had learned it from um british tutors uh at school so like she spoke very fluent 
English and then would, you know, like talk about the loo and the trunk and the lorry. <laughs> and, like she had all that, like she had learned yeah. it from someone. So she had all these strange. That'd be, you know. It'd be very funny to hear like a, a non-French speaker learn from like a, with a Quebecois accent, like yeah, a mix yeah, of yeah. like Spanish and Quebecois <laughs> would be mm-hmm. a very fa- funny. Yeah, I, I get that. All right, let's. So next let's episode this. of Convincible, yeah. we are going to. Each of, us, each of us is going to adopt a new accent, and we are going to talk entirely in French. Really and uh, and we're going to talk about the animated series. It's time. So we're not going to read any comics. Zach, I'm know. not here today to make rules. I'm just here today to well, make no, friends. <laughs> I need to read the comics if we're going to talk about the comics. But <laughs> yes, we... we're going to talk about the comics. Oh, now you're dying to follow the rules of comics. <laughs> I see. Wait, Charlotte's saying we are going to read the comics. The audience needs an answer. Are we? We're going to read the comics, right? If Charlotte says we're going to read the comics, then I suppose we're yeah, going to read Yeah, it's only 18 comics. issues. Wait, so, okay, so just let me get this right, Dave. You were just going to, like, <laughs> skip ahead to the next batch of comics? Just, like, skip That's what I'm volumes? trying to get at. This man's crazy. Everyone's brain is going to break. I guess, okay, <laughs> we're going to do the animated series. Uh-huh. And some of us will have read the next batch of comics. <laughs> Fine, I guess. Okay. <laughs> Anyone who's playing, you know, you're really like giving Zag the win here, right? If you just don't give. Up if I abandon the comics, it. yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, That's... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, if I'm more okay, eager but... to read the comics than you are, then I think I'm not. A... No, no, I'm not saying I'm not going to read them. I, I just, I read them for fun. I read, I read Invincible number one through one forty four every night before bed, um, just like for a good time. <laughs> um, so no, if you're playing along at home, please read section three where we read Invincibles uh, issue thirty six through fifty three. This is in the non-ultimate collection. This is volume 8 through volume 10. If you're reading the ultimate collection, it's almost all in the first one, but you're probably going to need to spill into the second compendium um, for, I think, the the post-50, issues post-number 50. Uh, so that's what we're reading next time for those of us who are reading. <laughs> for those of us who respect so all three these of comics. us, yeah. <laughs> perfect. Um, no, but so you know what's you know what's confusing imp- way of wording a very simple thing. No, I know I know it's confusing for like the process, but I'm <laughs> I'm saying my goal with Convincible. Here's what here's what I knew I didn't want to do. I knew I didn't want to do a read along where we just talk about chunks of issues eight times because nothing is going to change and the conversation sure. is going to be very repetitive. So from this point. <laughs> What's that? that? It being once a month helps for sure, though. It does, uh, but I but I still think like for the conversation to actually yeah. stay interesting, yeah, 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 we have to add variety and flavor. At some point, we I discussed agree. doing this like once a week for a while, and that would have killed us. Yeah, <laughs> did we really? Jeez, that was. I think we discussed it at some point, but like we, yeah. For me, the conversation <laughs> sounds fine, and I'm like I'm as engaged as I was last month, even though. But you know, also listening. If you listen back to back, maybe we just repeated ourselves so i don't know <laughs> um yeah uh yeah. dave are you uh are you still at three f- street is that your uh, <laughs> no are you doxing me on the podcast <laughs> uh, okay i just i was sending you a christmas present while we talk uh, can, what's your what's your address <laughs> thanks for listening everybody enjoy the comics okay bye nope, that's not the right outro see you next vincible <laughs>